I'll talk a little bit about um, transformations in news organizations and my experiences, um, my experiences with it. Um, and then I think uh, it would be nice if we uh, have a little discussion afterwards and questions about topics that might be of interest to you. Um, so in general, Uh, in general, um, the roles that I'm brought in to do at organizations are usually pretty simple to describe. They are very often, well, just make us fit for the digital future. That sounds easier uh, than it actually is done, as all of you who uh, worked in uh, newsrooms that are in transformation processes uh, will know. Um, it most often involves um, a big part of business model innovation, so basically figuring out new ways uh, how media how media organizations um, can be sustainable business-wise and earn money. Um, it often involves a big part of storytelling innovation. How do media organizations tell stories in this age? Um, uh, what technical tools um, do we need to tell stories? How do we use video, uh, social media, um, and other opportunities to tell our stories and provide our journalism in a different way? And it often involves, um, I call it the human side um, of transformation, because as all of us know, transformation means new roles, new job descriptions, new behaviors, um, new ways of working together in teams. Um, and I find that uh, most often the most challenging part and also the most overlooked part in transformation processes. So a lot of newsrooms focus on the tech side, focus on the storytelling side, and don't assign enough time and enough resources um, to the human side of transformation. There is quite a lot of theory uh, on transformation management and change management, and I don't want to bore you uh, with uh, too much uh, management theory here. But one kind of holy grail of uh, change management literature, so to say, is written by John Cotter, who wrote a book about the steps of change. So he basically did a very good job in um, conveying how a change process, not necessarily only in media organizations, but rather in all kinds of organizations works and what steps uh, it usually involves. So basically, uh, it involves three larger parts. The first one is creating a climate for change, which uh, involves to a certain extent creating a sense of urgency, the understanding of why do we need to change actually, why do we need to transform, um, building a team, a change maker team, people who can drive that change, who can support that change, um, and developing the vision and strategy that is necessary to drive that change. So. What are we doing and why are we doing it? And why is this ultimately going to work better than what we used to do before? The second part is the engagement and the enabling part in the organization. So basically uh, communicating uh, about that change, communicating the new vision and strategy, empowering action. So basically getting from communication to action, um, empowering teams to really uh, drive that change and, and change things um, in the structure and in the workflows of the organization. And last but not least, creating quick wins. Change can be a pretty tiresome and long process. Um, so one thing that Cotter found and many others in, in management um, theory is that it's very helpful to create uh, islands of well-being, so to say, in the change process and celebrate with your teams if something worked out, even if it's just a step 
uh, in the transformation process and not the ultimate result that can just involve uh, uh, your team and grabbing a beer together when you have um, a, a successful uh, story to tell, but it can also mean making successes public and sharing them on the internet, on social media. Uh, and then the final part, implementing and sustaining the change. Um, so one of the interesting learnings in transformation processes is that they are not per se automatically sustainable. So just because you kind of got uh, the wagon move, moving once, that doesn't mean it's eventually going to continue to move automatically without someone pushing. So you need to remind the organization, remind the people in the organization about what you're doing, why you're doing it, and constantly um, don't let go of the change process. And basically, that's what Kotter calls make it stick. Uh, repeat it as often as possible to uh, kind of make it stick in the organization. So this all sounds, pre sounds pretty straightforward. Um, why is it then so hard in practice? Well, one thing is that change processes, although this looked like a pretty straightforward horizontal line from A, B, C, and so on, change processes very often are not a straightforward line. And they are very often not kind of an uh, axis that just moves upwards. They are, let's say they are messy. <laughs> they often go backwards a little bit, then get, they go sideways. Um, and... When I say hard in practice, uh, that is something that is also proven by the numbers. Um, two third, about two-thirds of change initiatives over all industries fail uh, and are not successful in the long run. And we can all imagine how that uh, uses energy that we would much more like to use for other things. Um, so the question is, how can we make more of those um, initiatives successful? The reason why, that, why a lot of initiatives fail and the point that is very often um, not treated uh, with the respect that it should be treated with is culture. And culture is this weird thing that is very hard to describe, but everyone, every newsroom, uh, every organization has its inherent culture, the kind of rules and settings that we work it with, the understanding that everyone has, but no one kind of you know, can put in words. So that is culture. And what Peter Drucker, who is a famous management thinker, means with the famous sentence, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast, is that you can have the best and most thought through strategy. And you can have wonderful PowerPoint presentations about that strategy. If you don't somehow align it with the culture that already exists in your organization, and if you don't uh, try to tie it to the cultural roots uh, the raison d'etre for your organization, basically the underlying values uh, and beliefs, then uh, the strategy process will basically just implode or not gain traction. This is a comic that I, I'll, uh, I like to share about uh, change. I'll, I'll read it if, if, if it's too far away. Um, Dilbert is always very good for change management processes if you want to look it up and Google it. Um, so the uh, the boss basically says, we're hiring a director of change management to help employees embrace strategic changes. Then an employee answers, well, or we could just come up with strategies that make sense. Then employees would embrace change. Boss, that sounds harder. <laughs> 
And that is very true, and it says a lot about how, unfortunately, often organizations uh, treat change. I'll give you a few points, uh, kind of discussion starters on uh, what things are that I learned about change processes uh, in media organizations and that I personally find are uh, important uh, to keep in mind when you drive change, whether, that, uh, whether you drive that as a leader, as an editor-in-chief, a manager, a head of a department, or whether you drive it um, as an employee with, um, in an editorial department or in some other function in a news organization. Of course. Um, when you say media organizations, do you have a size in your head of the media organization you're talking about? Is there a certain number of employees? Of That's a very good question. Not at all, because I think all of those, all of those points that I'm going to make here now and all of the points that I made uh, so far work for pretty much every organization and if you there are in management literature rules what is defined as an organization and sometimes people talk to um, teams from five people up so I think it would be it's probably not working if you're if there is only two of you um, I think a lot of the problems that larger entities have with transformation you just don't have if, if it's just two or three people so what I have in mind is legacy organizations that are in the transformation process, but I'd say that it works just as well for 25 person organizations as for 5,000 person organizations. The dynamics of change and transformation are surprisingly similar in organizations of all sizes uh, and actually also outside of the media industry. So the first point, um, and some of those points uh, to warn you in advance, will sound pretty obvious to you. Some of those points will be like, yeah, of course, that's what everyone should do. The interesting thing is that in the stressful, um, kind of in the stressful times of a transformation, that is not entirely always happy and joyful, but that brings struggles and that sometimes is unclear, the outcome is unclear we tend to forget the very obvious things. And we tend not to focus on the obvious things that we know are important in a transformation situation, which is why it's important to remind ourselves of them. The first point that I wanted to make is about uh, focus. Um, what is your ultimate goal and your vision as an organization? I think that um, the temptation nowadays for media organizations is that there are a lot of choices to make. A lot of choices, am I a subscription-oriented organization or an advertising and breach-oriented organization? Do I go for news and speed or do I go for in-depth uh, reporting? Am I focusing more on my home market or do I try to break boundaries and go international? All those are extremely important questions and the temptation that I mean is to say, well, we're not going to really say no to anything. We'll try to be a little bit of everything. The danger with that is that lines become blurry. And the danger with that is that your users, your readers, your viewers, your audience, the people who ultimately are there to buy or read or consume your product and your journalism, are becoming confused about what you are. Um, and that you will have a hard time uh, creating a unique selling proposition uh, because you're just what everyone else is as well. So focus ultimately means also letting go of certain things. Um, sometimes the 
The most difficult part of strategy is the letting go part, not the let's start another project part, but the part of we, we tried this, but we are not convinced that this should be part of our strategy. We're not going to do Snapchat. We are not going to do video. We're not going to do instant articles on Facebook. We're not going to do newsletters, whatever it is that doesn't fit your strategy and your brand. Um, but I'd encourage everyone in organizations to challenge the assumption that we have to do pretty much everything and we have to play on every field because it's just not humanely possible with uh, the time um, that we have. The second part, and that plays into the first uh, one, is uh, have a clear strategy, focus on a strong execution, say no to things uh, that don't fit your strategy. I just put up some... Uh, you might say buzzwords, uh, but there are also some important strategic processes and some strategic questions um, on the right side of these presentations. Things that people working in, in media today uh, have to think about. That goes from uh, the broader strategic issues like business models, IT systems, uh, efficiency in the organization, to uh, storytelling methods uh, that involve audio, video, or social media, and it involves uh, things that are kind of at the intersection of technology and journalism. How do we deal, how do we deal with data? How do we deal with uh, life uh, events? How do we build our content management system or customer relationship system to um, address our users? Um, th those are just those are many words, but they are just a part um, of what you have to deal with if you're thinking about digitally transforming a media organization today. Um, and the, the result of that is that you need to be very clear about uh, what you want to do and what experiment you want to do and what you don't want to do. Don't try to play in all fields. Uh, try to be clear about your strategy and then pick certain experiments that you um, that fit your strategy and that you want to support. And this goes if you're the editor-in-chief or the CEO, uh, this is a task for you, but it's also a task for you if you're uh, an employee uh, or a head of a smaller department. Don't try to do 25 different things and just uh, just little a little dot here and a little dot there. Try to pick your two or three strategic initiatives um, that fit your strategic goals, your vision for the organization, and try to experiment with those and gather the data and learn from the experiments you did. Number three is something that I encounter very often when I talk uh, with media organizations. Um, uh, there is a certain urge to find the solution in everything we do and all the problems we face as media organizations in technology. There is a certain, um, sometimes technology is seen as kind of this saving spot if we just get the right content management system, if we just get more developers on board, if we just build this new storytelling tool, if we just launch a new app, all our, project, all, all our problems are magically go away. All the questions that we have about strategy, positioning, business models, the way our journalism is perceived, won't be an issue anymore. By no means am I saying that technology is not important for media uh, organizations nowadays. On the contrary, uh, technology and how to deal with technology and having people, both in your leadership team and in, broadly in the organization, 
who understand technology and can work with it um, smartly and fast is extremely important. But um, don't use tech as a means to an end. Uh, use tech as a means to an end and not uh, as an end in itself. Don't just do it because someone said, oh, th this is what organizations should build nowadays. Find the sweet spot, um, and this is the picture I put here, where technology, processes and workflows, and people uh, overlap, um, and where basically you can get the most, getting back to the strategy, get the most uh, out of the strategy uh, that you decided uh, to move on. Number four, and this is something that's especially dear to my heart, uh, because surprisingly communication, I wrote communication is everything, and you would think that media organizations, because we are ultimately in the communication industry, uh, would be extremely good in communication. And the, uh, what I found surprising is that we are not. Um, media organizations often lack a coherent internal communication strategy, not getting their, you know, their employees and their teams uh, on board, not informing properly about the transformation process, not creating a culture of open communication and feedback. And also outside communication is very often not seen as a core uh, issue or something that's really important. Also communication with the user. Only for the first, the last few years have media organizations begun um, to drive user-centric processes. Uh, some of you will, will know that this, the whole school of design thinking that basically says, Go out there and talk to your potential reader, talk to your viewer, talk to your audience and try to understand what you mean for them. Try to understand why your journalism is important for them. This has been a relatively new trend, so to speak. And before that, many media organizations didn't have a good history uh, in being that open about conversation. Um, they saw it more as a one-way uh, communication of, we know, uh, what is important and we're just going to throw this knowledge out there to the reader. But the world is changing and uh, engagement that goes both ways is something that has become really important uh, for media organizations. Now moving on a bit towards the change process inside of the organization, kind of the, the human factor, uh, like I called it before, about uh, transformation processes. And that is also a personal learning that I had um, in, in my last years and my last roles. I think I started out with this idea that everyone at the end of a change process needs to be excited about the process. And what I understood uh, after a while is that you never have everyone excited about the process. There's always going to be people who from the very beginning uh, already are the change makers, people who say, this is great, let's do it there's always going to be people who say, actually, whatever you're talking about here, it's not for me, and I'll try to prevent that it's going to happen. Um, and then you'll have a big chunk of people who are kind of in between, who are not unwilling uh, to take the leap with you, but you'll need arguments to persuade them. Um, and they're also not kind of, you know, the change makers that drive the change. So those are the people um, you can work with. And too many change processes focus on the, um, either the 10% of excited change makers and try to ignore that there is a large part of the organization who, which is not on board yet. 
Um, or they focus on the 10%, and that those numbers are, of course, just you know approximations. Maybe it's 20 or 15 in, in your organization. But there is also a lot of processes, a lot of organizations that focus on the uh, kind of the opposition, the opponents, uh, and spend a lot of time with them and uh, miss the opportunity to actually engage um, and excite a large chunk of the organization for the transformation process. Number six, be smart about skills and training. Um, I think many of you uh, already have um, have spent some time in the industry and have seen those, those waves um, that the discussions around what should a journalist do today? What should a journalist be able to, in terms of skills, be able to do? Uh, that this discussion has evolved over the last years. Um, with the beginning of online publishing, there was a big move towards, well, you know, it's pretty easy. Everyone needs to do everything. Uh, a journalist has to basically go to uh, do an, an audio interview, but at the same time hold an iPhone that does a video interview, write something for the website, then write a big piece uh, for the Sunday paper, put in a little audio snippet, uh, and maybe uh, push all that on all social media channels and be an expert in all of it. I think what, what many of us learned, um, at least I did, and I think it's a bit of an industry understanding right now, is that if you try to, be, to do everything at the same time, you end up with mediocre results, ultimately. Um, there are people who are better at telling long-form stories. There are people who are better at doing video. There are people who are great at audio. Uh, I think a smart approach is to get a general level of understanding and commitment in the organization about digital skills. Everyone, whether he or she is writing for print or working for audio or a broadcaster or digital, has to understand how social media works. Everyone has to understand how to use a content management system. Everyone has to know how to click on uh, doing a, a video on the iPhone if he or she happens to end up in a breaking news situation where he wants to do a video and where it doesn't matter what the sound quality of the uh, video bit is like. But it's not necessary, in my opinion, that everyone has to be an expert in all of these storytelling techniques. Not everyone has to be an expert in all areas. And I think this is a kind of a shift in understanding how uh, media organizations and journalists think about skills and think about training. Um, and I think it's actually a good shift because it focuses again um, on the quality um, of, of reporting and on the quality of journalism, journalistic storytelling. Um, and the last point, um, and I think that's something that goes a bit more for um, the editors-in-chief and for the managers, um, rather than for the, the employees themselves, uh, allow for a certain degree of freedom. Um, change works well if people understand that they can own part of that change. Um, i give you an example. Um, if you're working in a team and your boss comes up to you and says, well, tomorrow, from tomorrow on, we have a different way of approaching things and approaching our storytelling. We have a new journalistic uh, mission. You guys, th there is no discussion about that. You guys just 
just do that. That's it. We're going to see each other again in half a year for the Christmas break. That's not a very engaging uh, way um, to, uh, to work with your uh, employees and to kind of include them in the change process. If an organization manages to say, there is some, we need to change. We need to change for business reasons, but also for strategic re reasons. Uh, we want to improve the way our journalism is presented. And there are some questions uh, that we're thinking about. We as a management team, but we need your input as reporters, as editors, as strategists, um, as writers, uh, to think about um, how can we do that? How can we actually approach that? And how can we move forward from that? Um, that only works if leadership um, is willing to give a bit of control to the teams themselves, if there is a level of trust uh, in the organization and in the room that uh, includes employees rather than just hierarchically dropping information on their head. And I found it extremely helpful um, to try to create that freedom and um, make clear um, that everyone in the organization um, is uh, supposed to or invited to take part uh, in that change debate. Thank you very much. Um, my main points. Thank you very much.